Hello, hello, and welcome to the Station Tapes on 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and on this podcast, I share intimate interviews with some of the best musicians in the world. In my role at Ropadope, I get to interview each artist as we prepare for the release of their latest record. I want to get the backstory, a sense of their intent and motivation around their new release. I've found that given the opportunity, in a relaxed setting, they feel free to open up about musicianship, life, and the challenges of being a professional musician. This week we settle in with Ose Esed and Simon Kafka of Big Hands Rhythm and Blues Band. It always stands out when the music is not some form of jazz here at Ropado, and this record caught my ears right away. Ose's growling vocal reminds me of Tom Waits, Captain Beefheart, and Chucky e. Weiss, but the music is jumping. Soaring guitar, heavy old school rhythm and blues in the purest sense. My favorite, the longing ballad used to be, a lament on the inevitable failures of life. I am here with Simon and Ose from Big Hands Rhythm and Blues Band. Hi, how are you? Hello. All right. So that second voice or third voice was Simon, or no, was Ose, and Simon was second for those that are listening. So first I want to start with how we connected. Uh, okay. Please please tell me how you found us and how we got... Well, I've known about... just for Simon, yeah. I've uh, known about Rope for a very long time. I mean, you know... There's been so many great records released on the label. And I spent some time playing guitar and lap steel in a band called Jesus on the Mainline, whose uh, last record, uh, which I love, came out on Rope Dope, I want to say two or three years ago. And um, I've had a friendship with Andy Neasley, the leader of that band, for many, 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 many years. And I've been working on this project, um, this current project, Big Hands Rhythm and Blues Band with Osei for a long time and uh, Mr. Andy Neasley connected us to Ropadope and to Lewis, which has been great. That was a, uh, that was a question just to give uh, Andy that shout out, that shout out. Very uh, important. I really love that record. Jesus on the main line. Great uh, record. And it kind of, you know, over the years here at Ropadope, you'll see, if you look at the catalog, you'll see these like, you know, it's like jazz, 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 not jazz, 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 not. Right. And some of those things have been my personal preferences because I come from more of a rock Americana before it was called Americana mm-hmm. uh, blues. Uh, you know, I grew up in a family listening, you know, my older brothers were spinning 45s of blues and, and rhythm and blues, you know, Wilson Pickett, et cetera, uh, back in the day. And of course I went through the rock years and my favorite band of all time is the band. So, uh, Jesus on the main along and I was like, all right, there, there's, there's another one of these projects that I will, uh, perfectly enjoy. Um, so I, I've described how I kind of came to this style of music. I'd like to hear from both of you, you know, here it is 2018. How, how did you come to rhythm and blues? Or blues. Um, Ose, would you like to start, or I could go first if you'd like. Um, why don't you go first, Simon? Um, I my when I was very, very, very young, my brother introduced me to this music, and I went away from it for a long time. And I came back to it when I discovered an album called Alan Lomax Mississippi Blues Lineage, which is Alan Lomax field recordings of a bunch of blues artists in the fields in various locations in Mississippi and including recordings of Muddy Waters before he was Muddy Waters. And that album 
really changed my musical life and got me very fascinated with, you know, uh, blues music. And then later I became really obsessed with the Chess Records catalog and what was going on in the 1950s in Chicago. And then from there, I've just tried to expose myself to as much of that music as possible. And I'll just say, uh, for me, music, you know, as far as music is concerned, the music that I love the most is the music that makes me want to physically move my body and and that moves me emotionally and it moves me physically and i've i've just always loved that music and uh this group is has allowed us to kind of put a modern twist on it mm-hmm. Ose? um yeah well for me i guess i i grew up listening to and, and loving cowboy music um and as i got older and and that, that, that's from when I was a very young boy uh, who rode horses. And then as I got older and, and listened more and, and heard more, I, of course, got really into a lot of rock music. I was always into instruments. Um, I, I listened to a lot of other music as well. But there was always this thing in my mind where acoustic music kept coming back to me and, and spoke probably most to my heart. Um, and as I was able to find more music as I got older and I, and I learned how, how to talk about music to people, um, I, people would introduce me to music that made sense, uh, that, that, that sort of was aligned with, with, with things that I already loved. And I, I think the, the first blues I, I listened to entirely on my own, that's without, you know, walking into a room and hearing a radio on or something like that and catching a little bit here or that, um, was probably, I think, Lightning Hopkins. And uh, John Lee, um, and, and that stuff really—it was—it was an early John Lee Hooker, and it was you know light, lightning by himself, um, without a band or anything. And, and both of those really blew me away. I, I couldn't believe that there could be anything that was that wild. And I didn't even know when it was from or anything like that. It was just pre-internet because uh, I'm older than Simon. <laughs> and uh, as, as time's gone on, it's not something that, that I've moved away from in any sense. I've I, I mean, there's, I, I love all sorts of music uh, and, and I take it all in, but it, this is something, I guess maybe also because my singing voice um, fits so well in that canon that uh, I, yeah, it, it just speaks to me. Wow. So this, is, this raises several questions for me. There are a couple of names that I want to come back to in a minute. John Lee Hooker and another one that I'm going to throw in there, Chucky Weiss. But um, We'll come back to that in a second. Uh, you know, the Alan Lomax and the field recordings um, always strike me as such an important document. Yes, I agree. And, and, and it makes me reflect as, as a, you know, someone who works at a record label and the additional value uh, that we're not really paying attention to these days of actually documenting uh, music. So each, each album is a document in time. So, yeah, I agree. And, you know, his catalog is so extensive and deep as well. I mean, there's, he has stuff from Haiti. He has stuff from, I mean, really Italy. There's like Sardinian uh, yeah, dances, folk dances and one. stuff. I have that. Yeah, one. it's great. Well, and, you know, in his, uh, there's a biography of him where they talk about him, you know, going on a road trip with, with Lead Belly and putting on these concerts, you know, I mean, it's really, you know, him and the musicians he worked with had such an impact on so many people and uh, yeah such a visionary in that way and i think we live in a time now where we're i i refer often to actually what we're doing right now this podcast is sort of reverse field recordings 
today we have plenty of recordings, but no context. Yes. We want to talk about the, these, the, the roots and the why, you know, why people are making these records. I, I mentioned, well, I, I'd like to hear both of your perspectives, if you could, um, starting with Ose, of how, how do we define the, how do we, how do we untangle the crossover from cowboy music, which you mentioned, to rock music, to blues, to country blues, to rhythm and blues? Like, oh, how, man. What, are the, what is the connective thing? I think there's just maybe a purity of intent. Um, I, I think that, you know, and I, I guess that might maybe less true for the cowboy music, but I'm not even, I'm not even sure. Cause the stuff I was listening to that was cowboy music was mostly, you know, Gene Autry or Roger, stuff like that. Um, and it, it was very much television cowboy music. It wasn't uh, what cowboys might be singing around it, an, an actual campfire. Although maybe, you know, one, one, one thing influences another. You go see a movie and you can sing those songs around the campfire. I, I, I think it's the same thing that, you know, it, it, I guess maybe 20 years ago, I fell in love with um, Rambetica music, which is a, a music that was made in Greece by, um, by ethnic Greeks uh, who had to migrate from Turkey after the burning of Smyrna. And, I think it, it, it's just as tied to the blues as, as anything else, as, as cowboy music might be, as, as jazz might be. And there's just this pure, there's a joy to the music, there's a sorrow to the music, it's happening at once. And it's not trying to fool you into thinking it's anything besides what it is. It's just, it, it, is, it, it is what it, it is just itself. It's pure music. Um, I'd love to add I think, to that, which is that, you know, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Ose. Uh, quite right. With, with purity of intent, you know, going back to the Alan Lomax recordings, you know, there are recordings and songs of these now legendary artists will, where, you know, between verses they will cough or there's all sorts of, you know, and it's fine. It doesn't matter. And to me, that is so, you know, speaking of purity of intent, you know, where, you know, a lot of these pop songs, every little sound is, is perfect. And that's fine. That's great. Um, but I, I think that, the, you know, the music that we're talking about now, you know, you can have things like that and it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's, it's because the, the music is being documented. Its purpose is not to be recorded. Its purpose is to be, um, or maybe I'm putting that, maybe I'm, I'm placing that on there now after the fact. Um, but I, I think that, you know, as, as the recording industry is growing up and, and, and these folks are just trying to find a way to preserve these ideas that that were at, at, at the time probably considered ephemeral like it, we, they, they weren't thinking you know we'd be sitting pouring over you know microseconds of their recordings 80 years 90 years down the line uh yet here we are yeah but we want to we want to we want to create recordings that people are pouring over 80 or 90 years from now and not that you're thinking about it while you're doing it but yeah i mean that that seems to be uh an important thing in the digital age is to create something that lasts. That is yes. Um, yeah. Well, and it's and it's strange because you know I think about uh, blues music in particular and the the resonator guitar um, or the banjo and and the the amplification of acoustic instruments first through acoustic means um, by by design and then you know later on through through amplification with uh, with electric amplifiers um, and in the same way I think that as we pour over these records our job as we document now is to amplify in a sense what has already been done um and and to to 
provide context, provide our own musical context. If it's, you know, if it's really inside baseball that we're, we're all uh, talking to each other about things that we've heard and we're talking about it musically, or we're actually talking about it. That is another way of amplifying. I think. You know, t- taking, you know, contrasting Alan Lomax, uh, as far as documentation, um, the movie, the blues brothers seems to me was exactly that. I mean, that was, I was exposed to that at a very young age and, you know, I, I love that movie. I've seen it so many times. That was the first time I ever saw John Lee Hooker was when I watched that movie. And yeah. that's the scene. That's the scene. The, the yeah. work, everything. It's a story that you may not be participating in. Right. In your experience. Yeah. But you can, but it is badass and you can feel it. Right? Yeah. And also, sign, um, I heard or read or was told that John Lee Hooker was the only musician who performed in that movie who couldn't do the same thing ex- twice in a row exactly the same way. So he's playing, he's the only one who's playing live and it's not, not to a trial. Well, he, and, and, and does it well. I would, I yeah. would have to put uh, John Lee Hooker up as my number two. Um, I, I, I privately, and now not so privately, credit him with all of rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. You know, single man. It's pretty, it's pretty important. So uh, I want to I want to talk about the vocal. Um, I mentioned Chucky Weiss. Are you familiar? I am familiar, not probably as much as I ought to be. He's he's somebody who's been um, you know held up to me a, a few times, or a few you know okay. people have mentioned him and and said, hey, take a listen. And I have. It's never been something that I've spent a great deal of time with, he's, or he hasn't been someone. He's an interesting character in that, uh, you know, back, back, in, uh, back in the 70s, uh, it was not uncommon for performers to steal uh, from others that were unknown. Uh, and right. Reference J.J. Uh, Kale and Eric Clapton, for example. And so Tom Waits, you know, took a whole lot from Chuck. And even, and even get, and credits him somewhere, and I, I don't remember if it's, it's on Small yeah. Change, I believe. Yeah. Um, Sorry. yeah. But, but I think he does it because, you know, it's a vocal connection. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, I, and I can hear those voices. I, I hear, you know, in, in my own, I, I'll, I'll credit, you know, Tom Waits. I'll, I'll credit um, Blind Willie Johnson. I'll credit Howling Wolf. I'll, I'll credit, you know, Bob Dylan <laughs> or sometimes Paul Simon and sometimes Prince. You know, I, I love, there's so many singers and so many voices and so many ways that the voice can be used to tell a story. I, and I think without listening, I've never had any formal voice training, but I, I just love hearing the different things that the human voice can do. It's incredible. So how would you describe this new record we have coming out on October 26th? I, I, don't, I don't even have a title here on my list. Do we have an album title? Um, Thoughts and Prayers. Thoughts and Prayers. Yeah. That could lead us down another 20 minutes of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's a reference to... It is in the United States today. Am I right? It is. It is indeed. One of uh, the title of our band has a few things that I'm pulling from with the title. And uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a bit of, you know, of a reference there as well. I don't, I'm not catching that. Oh, there was a, there was a debate uh, before the election of where they, they all took turns talking about uh, their, the size of their hands. Oh, gotcha. Big hands. Okay. Yeah. 
Good. I like that. It was, it was like this macho contest that happened in a Republican debate before the election. One of the debates before the election. The, the hand thing is not over yet. It's, you know, it's, it's moved on to handshakes and hugs. Uh, <laughs> it has. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it's really, uh, it's a double speak for other things. Uh, <laughs> just my opinion. But anyway, um, how are you guys feeling about this record? And without someone listening to it yet, um, just what would you say? What is it? Um, I will say, would you like to start or shall I? Um, I'll start this one, man. I, I, I think it might be the danciest record I've made yet. And, and that's not to say that there aren't a few uh, tear jerkers on there, but, um, it, it's certainly, it, there's a lot of, um, force in it. Uh, it, it's a really fun record. I think, uh, you know, there's, there's ups and there's downs, but I, I think it's a very compelling listen. We travel a few different places. We experiment pretty heavily with, um, how far we can take the recording studio um, and still have it feel very much like what it is, which is a live recording of a, of a group of men in, in a room together, um, which was really exciting. You know, I, I think we, we might have done 10, 12 overdubs on, on the entire record, um, if that. I don't know, Simon, do you recall? I think it's actually quite a bit less. I think it's quite a bit is less. Is it like, wow. I would describe this record as... I mean, you know, I, I'm extremely proud of this record. Eight, eight out of the nine songs are originals that Osan, Osan and I wrote together. I would describe it as rhythm and blues meets socialist rage meets, you know, I think it's a joyful record. And I think if, if people like music, I, I really think they're going to enjoy this record. That, that's just, it's so poetic and, and, and exactly what I feel. There's, there's a certain uh, place inside that hits me when I hear yeah. your music. Yeah. Um, some of it is comfortable and some of it is angry. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's exactly right. And you know, we play a, a, a lot of shows and you know, oftentimes, well, especially with the record not being released yet, people, a lot of people are there who have never heard us before. You know, there's a, there's a built-in audience. There's a lot of people who know us and there's a lot of people who don't. And I can tell you from, you know, my perspective of the stage looking out into the audience, people start dancing, people are sweating, people are moving, people are screaming. And, you know, that's exactly what you want. You know, going back to, you know, one of my dreams as a guitar player, as a musician, going back to the Blues Brothers, is, you know, the scene when they're behind the chicken wire and people are throwing the bottles. That, oh, hell yeah. I love that. And that's, Man. that's what I want. That's Man. what I want. I invite the audience to be as rambunctious. I do. I do. I would say Simon, before you invite them to throw things at us, um, yeah. I would say that we should start traveling with chicken wire ahead of that. I agree. <laughs> I, I encourage people to be as nonviolently uh, rambunctious as they feel. Well, gentlemen, I, we could go all night, but I want to. I want to thank you uh, for making beautiful music, the people's music. I think I want to call it. Uh, and, right on. and for bringing it to us and trusting us with it. And, and thank you for signing us, Lewis. Yes. No brainer. It's a no brainer. It's a real, you know, it's, I hope this doesn't sound trite or anything, but it is really, really a joy and a pleasure and an honor. Well, it's a great, it's a great group of musicians that are, that are in this community. And I, I think that's what you're responding to. And uh, I'm just fortunate enough uh, and careful enough to be in the middle of all that and try to try to do things right. So um, October 26th, Big Hands Rhythm and Blues, 
thoughts and prayers. Sending your thoughts and prayers. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in to The Station Tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21 Soul. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Ropadope99. And you can find out more about the artists we speak with at Ropadope.com. Our show is produced by Nick Perry. Our theme song is from Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find more of that at michaelblake.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. And finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent quality music. To the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and to those of you who are taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy the show.